I want to help people that don't have access to this, particularly financially. I want to help other people see the world the way that I have been, because a lot of people don't have that privilege. To my side, I have Becky Jeffries, who is a travel influencer and content creator and also a tech founder recently. Yes. Welcome. Nice to meet you. I'm really happy to be here. This is my first podcast ever. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel quite honored actually. Yeah. And Becky, you look incredible. Can you tell the listeners what you have experienced today? Well, thank you (laughs) for that. Um, I started my day, left the house, um, very jet lagged because I landed in Dubai late last night off of a 14 hour flight from the US. Didn't sleep very well, got up, had to go to a meeting, thought that this was an audio only recording. So I went to the meeting with my airport hair, hat on, sweats. I messaged Holly from my my meeting, which was running a little bit late, realizing that if I wanted to, I didn't have time to go all the way back home to shower and clean up before coming here. So I said, is it all right if I come looking a little bit sloppy? Here's what's happened today. And she said, actually, there's going to be a video recording as well. So a I... A very close one. <laughs> <laughs> right. With three cameras, so all different angles. I'm a half an hour away from home. I'm at a mall. Don't have time to run back. So I went to the salon, got a blowout, ran up to Sephora, put a little bit of makeup on my face, pretending like I was shopping for makeup, went to H&M, got a top and a bra to change into, changed in the mall bathroom. Oh my <laughs> And then goodness. I came here. This is the life of a tra- travel influencer, literally straight off the plane. Yeah, yes. it's what it feels like. I think I would never have, 10 years ago before I started really traveling, I would not have been able to do that. I would have also yeah. an entrepreneur yeah. as well, because you basically got put in a situation and you just made the best out of it. Yeah, you have to improvise. Improvise. Yeah. That is a perfect yeah. think example. Fast, think fast, like move quickly and just get it done. Whatever has to Your happen. Your hair looks so. fab, by the way. The listeners you. can't see it, but it's very bouncy. <laughs> it was it was a risk because sometimes you, if someone hasn't done your hair before, yeah, that is a you risk. don't know how it's going to go. But yeah, looking good, girl. <laughs> and <laughs> nice you. to meet you. And thank you for coming on our show. Thank you so, for having me. Becky, you've traveled to 72 countries. Is I that have. right? Yes. it's. I can't believe it. Why? Why? Like, I don't know, I suppose. How did you start? Where did the traveling bug come from? Yeah, the funny thing is traveling has only been a really big part of my life since my, I would say my mid-20s. I grew up in a very small town, super simple, humble upbringing. And I think for the first 16 years of my life, my my family didn't really go on vacation outside my home state of Maryland. Like same, same summer trip to the beach every year, which I loved. And I was, I had a really happy childhood. And I, I was 16 when I got a passport. And even then we got the passports because we were doing like a a cruise around the Caribbean. So it wasn't even that far. Weren't even, we weren't even getting on a plane. So fast forward to post-college, I, I had moved to Milwaukee, which was kind of across the country. And I was working in a multinational corporate job in a global capacity. So through that that first job I had out of college, I started getting not just exposure to people in other countries. I was working with teams in Mexico, Brazil, China, Korea, Germany. It was so exciting to me. But I then started traveling a little bit for work as well. So Germany was the first overseas trip I took for work and was it? I was I was beside myself like I got a business class seat this was <laughs> you know a, a big meeting I was going to meet all of my international colleagues face to face so that was sort of my first taste of it and then over the years I got more travel opportunities and got to go to all of those places and I just got the bug and 
after a few years of that, I started, after, you know, I kind of learned the ropes of this is how it works. This is how you navigate the airport. This is what it's like when you get overseas. And then I became more comfortable traveling on my own for personal reasons. So I remember in my, my mid-20s, I took a girl's trip to Asia and we went to Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Japan. And it was that trip that really had an impact on me. And I came back from it. And I remember having dinner at a, at a Thai restaurant back in our, our hometown with my best friend. And I told her, I can't stay here. Like, I have to, I have to keep doing this. I have to get overseas because that with the vacation time you have as an American early in your career. It's very limited, isn't it's it? It's very like limited. Like two days. weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. isn't there a stat that Americans don't actually, that there's a huge percentage of Americans that don't actually leave America because it's so big. They don't have yeah. a passport. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, you got it's, your passport at 16 years old, which is for me, yeah. I don't know, like I, I had like a baby passport. Yeah, you get I think, one as soon as you're born. As soon as you're born in the UK. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, on this side of the world, especially being in Dubai with so many expats, it's kind of unheard of to get a passport that late in life, yeah. but it's really not that uncommon for Americans. So, I mean, I I think there's a large percentage of Americans today, like as adults that don't have passports. It's it's fairly normal. It's so big though. But you, you yeah. sorry, so you were in a restaurant with your friend and you were like, I just yeah. need to leave and I need to travel. Yeah. I, and I, I remember that conversation so clearly because I had, I had a great life. I was happy with my job, loved my team, loved my friends, like loved the lifestyle that I, that I was living, but I just felt I needed to get out. And at that same time, I had a wonderful boss who was encouraging me to do my MBA. And I sort of put the pieces together and, and I realized if I'm going to pause my career to do my MBA, this is my chance to get out of the U.S. So I think that was that was in the spring. By September of that year, I had applied for international programs, got accepted to the school I wanted in Spain, and I had packed up my things and moved to Spain by December of that year. That's amazing. How? You don't do things by half, <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, like at the beginning of that process, I remember thinking, am I really going to do this? It's yeah. it, like one thing happened after another and I just kept taking one step forward and then soon enough I was there. And, and I had never... It's, it's a great question. There was... There were a few things that played a role in it. One was just finding the right school. So it was the school that I went to was called IE Business School. And it was at the time, one of the top 10 MBA programs in the world. And I had always felt, even though I had never been to Spain, there was something about it that I thought I would love. I had always wanted to travel there. And so looking at like finding the right school in a country that I had a lot of interest in, plus I had a background in Spanish. It, it just felt right. Like I was trusting my gut on that one. I really didn't know, but I trusted my gut and it ended up being such a phenomenal experience. And before you were moving, how did you feel? Were you kind of excited, nervous, apprehensive, or did you just feel like you were just going on holiday? I was, oh, I was so excited. I was so excited, but I was also, I had told myself and told everybody in my life, I'm going to go do this for one year. It was a one year program and I'm going to come right back. So when I was moving out of my apartment in Milwaukee, I just put my stuff in storage and I was, I left thinking I'm going to come right back and just pick up with my life. But that obviously isn't what happened. I think I was two weeks in after having landed in Madrid and I, I knew I wasn't coming back. I was, yeah, like that was it. It was such a great start. And already in that short time, I felt like my life had just done a 180 and I was so happy, so happy. Like living the life that I wanted to be living for so long. Amazing. And 
I, I just knew so early on that I wasn't going back. I really resonate with that because when I moved to Dubai, yeah. I said to my friends, I'm going for a year. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I'd done the year, I just thought, well, why do I want to go back? Like, obviously I miss my family and friends and you can relate to that. And so can you, yeah. Holly, and so can every expat listening to this podcast. And you do miss your home comforts. You do miss the people that you, you know, that are your like nearest and dearest. But there is that kind of element of this is my new life now and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, you just don't know what what's kind of around the corner. Yeah. Do you find that, did you I, kind of feel like that? Yeah, I do agree with that. But I also wonder if maybe we tell ourselves that to make, it's it's such a big step to move away from home or to move to another country. And I wonder if the transition is something that say. we tell ourselves mm-hmm. just to make the transition feel easier yeah, that's true. It's funny. I say that with a few people who have left Dubai and I say, you can always come back to Dubai. But it's like, do you just say that to rip the bandaid off easier? Yeah. I look back as well. And I think if I was now my age, would I have done the big leap of moving away? And I don't know whether it was like being younger and more naive and just having less fear and like less worried about, you know, yeah. as worried about the unknown as I don't know back then. So you've been in Dubai now for six years? Six years. Yes. Coming up on six years in May. And have you got any kind of thoughts to move back home or are you kind of settled here? I'm so settled. Yeah. And and there are there's so much to love about Dubai. But for me, I've found, especially in recent years, it's also important to get out often to stay grounded. Life is just so surreal here. It's extravagant. It's so easy compared to so many other places. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of easy to get swept up in the, how do I put this? Not I really don't like it when people say that Dubai is very, is so superficial because I think there's a really authentic side to it and there's really good people here, but there is still sort of that like materialistic you know, artificial side of it. And it's, it can be easy to get swept up in it and kind of lose your sense of what's really important to you. And there was a point where I felt like I'm, I'm kind of getting caught up in that. And my values have always been so, so important to me. Like I said, I had, I I grew up with very humble upbringings and I always wanted to stay true to who I am inside. And the moment that I realized I might be losing myself a little bit and kind of like getting too far away from that, I need to like go home or live Reconnect. live a humbling experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's supposed to be part of traveling as well. Because I is. think that's what makes you really humble mm-hmm. and see things from a different perspective. But I don't think you can also, going back to your point, it's like, I know Dubai can be quite materialistic, but it's the nickname is Land of Milk and Honey, right? So it's hard yeah. not to be. But I think as well, it's you can blame anything. But if you don't, if you keep true to your roots and your mm-hmm. morals, then that will never change. Exactly. So yeah, that's it's true. Just keeping grounded, basically. And traveling does that for me. Yeah, exactly. That's and the fact that I'm able to do that so often helps to balance that out. So I am settled here and I don't have any plans to move home or to move anywhere else. But as long as I'm able to balance that with, I would say, more, more real, more humbling experiences that I get through traveling. What brought you to Dubai? It was very random. I, it was never on my radar. And coming out of the the MBA program in Spain, all I knew was I don't want to go back to the US. I didn't have my sights necessarily set on a specific place. I would have loved to stay in Spain because I absolutely fell in love with it there. And I initially started looking at different places in Europe, which seemed really, you know, like I was I was loving the European lifestyle. 
but it's really hard if you don't have a, an EU passport. When I realized that somewhere in Europe was going to be more of an uphill battle, I was like, okay, maybe I should look at Singapore or somewhere else that's a little bit easier. And I had friends in the program with me that were living in Dubai before before they, they moved to Madrid and then came back to the same jobs. And they said, come visit, see if you like it, just spend a few weeks with us. So I did. And everything kind of fell into place so quickly. I knew coming from a corporate career background, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to go back to a large kind of slow paced multinational. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do tech. I wanted to get into the startup scene. So I found a lot of opportunity there in Dubai and I happened to get a job interview at Uber during the time that I was visiting and then ended up getting the job, which was, I was very, very lucky because I was not only, I was changing geographies. I had no experience in the region at all. I was like, I knew nothing about the Middle East. And they say when you're in your career, you can change one thing. It can be geographies, it can be industries, or um, I think function is the other thing that you can change. Anyway, I was changing a lot of things at one time and I was really lucky that boss took a chance on me and it ended up being such a phenomenal career experience. It was by far the best place that I've ever worked. I, all of my friends, my close friends in Dubai are people that were my colleagues there. Oh, I love that. That That was was your finding really. That was like, it was meant to be. I do believe that like when you get a job or something happened when you first moved to Dubai, it might be kind of like even where you live or who you meet joining a club or something like that. It's like, it's meant to be. I I really felt like it was. And it it just fell into place so nicely. It was, it was exactly the job that I wanted. And then I landed in a group of people that was so fantastic. I'm still very close with them. My, my Dubai family, 90% 90% of them are people that were my colleagues at Uber. That's amazing. You and found we, your yeah. tribe. And yeah, we do also a... say Dubai is the land of opportunities. Like you do get given so many opportunities here, don't yeah. we? And we've said that so much on our podcast. So, so true. going back to all the traveling then. So yeah. Becky's in Dubai. She's arrived and you've been here for six years. But obviously yeah. it's a, an amazing hub. It's close to so many countries. So how did your kind of like you know, the traveling begins. So obviously 72 countries is... That's a lot of air miles. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And oddly enough, the, the bulk of that has been in the last few years since okay. I got here. So I remember doing my MBA application, I had to... I had to tell them how many countries I had been to by that point. And it was 18. The number was 18 when I left the U.S., That's which I was like, well, high. I'm like, I'm really killing it. I thought <laughs> I'm like way out of the game, but it's nothing compared to where I've been now. But yeah, so I, I think by the end of that time in Spain, because it's so easy to travel around Europe. I think I was somewhere around 30 by then because I, I went to a lot of places in Europe and visited Morocco and even Egypt for the first time. So got a lot that year but then since I've been to Dubai it's just been on another level but you've already I think you had quite a a high number at a young age like I'm 30 this year and I want to get to 30 countries and I'm on 24 and it's my dad's 60th and he wants to go to Spain and I'm trying to convince him to go to another country because it's going to help you've already been there because it's going to help my count (laughs) I'm so selfish I'm the same like when I get invited somewhere I'm like if it's somewhere I've been already I'm like Damn! <laughs> Can we go somewhere new? I know, I the know. world's a big place. I'm very, I'm always very conscious of that too. Yeah. So where's your favorite? <laughs> if you've got one. Oh, yeah, this is so, this is such a hard question to answer because I realize, I, I do get asked this question a lot and there are a lot of places that I've fallen in love with. Like I love, I don't know, 
I love Spain. It's so near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, this past this past year, I I did South America for the first time, and I really fell in love with Colombia. That's very special to me. Um, Egypt, just a special place in my heart for Egypt as well. Um, but I've realized that it's not so much the country itself or the city itself that I fall in love with. It's usually the particular experience that I have in that place with certain people, just a, a specific experience. And I won't always have that same experience if I go back to the same place. So I I guess a good example of that is Yemen. That was a place I never imagined traveling to. And um, there's an island off of the mainland called Socotra. And I went there in early last year and it was it was a really phenomenal place, like very, very raw. Not a lot of people can travel there. It's been closed off for a long time. And I think now there's like once a week flight from Abu Dhabi to get there. But it was so, so special to me because of because of the people that were with us. I wasn't expecting to be able to connect with someone that lives in a place like that. We landed at the airport and the guides that greeted us, you know, I, I remember thinking like, Oh, like this is a really cool thing, but like probably not even going to be able to communicate with each other. Well, I was so wrong about that. We had so much fun every single day and night. Like when we were driving in their four by fours around the island, like windows down, music blasting. We're dancing all day long at night. We had bonfires, dancing around the bonfires together. Like the way that we connected, it was unbelievable. And like it was those people and that shared experience that had such a profound impact on me that made that one of my favorite trips that I've ever taken. But I think if I were to go back, different group of people might have different guides. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah. And you had, you didn't have high expectations as well, maybe going somewhere that you've never been to before and not many other people have been. Yeah. You can't share and say, oh, what do you recommend or what do I do here? So you literally yeah. were going in completely blind to completely. what it's going to be. Yeah. I think those experiences you said keeps you grounded. So grounded. And, you know, it's just, it, it was just one of those times where I was like, you know what? We are such different people living completely opposite lives. But at the end together. of the day, like we're all human. Like we are actually all the same. Yeah. We, we, like seeing them like joke around with each other and like give each other shit for stuff. And it's like, they're just like us. And just because of like where they live or like how they dress, you don't, it's so easy to write that off. It was very humbling. I I cried when I left the airport. It was, it just really, really impacted me a lot. And I would love to go back because it's such a special place, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go try to repeat that because it was so special the way that I kind of want to just leave it that way and not tarnish it you speak so passionately about the places you've been and experiences and I remember when I reached out to you months ago now Mm -hmm. and you literally blew me away from when we first started talking I was like I love you to be on the podcast so on and so on but you were actually raising money to send a group of people to Argentina Yes. Which you've just come back from. Yes, just got back from that. And that's purely about experiences for them to travel and experience what you've experienced, basically. Exactly. Yes. And how did that come about? First of all, travel has had a very profound impact on my life. I think, you know, as soon as I started getting exposure to other cultures and other countries, I realized how much I didn't know about the rest of the world and just how how limited my perspective was having grown up in a small town with all white people. There's no diversity. And I just had like, the more I traveled, the more I realized how little I knew. And it really humbled me. And it made me a more accepting, 
tolerant person. I just learned and grew so much from it. And when I started traveling um, a lot and getting a larger following on social media, I started getting messages from a lot of young Arabs. And I, I guess it was that probably stemmed from the fact that 80% of my audience is from Egypt. And then the other countries that are big on my list are UAE, Saudi, Jordan, um, even Tunisia. So the majority of my following is Arab. And I would get messages from people saying, I really hope I can visit places like this one day. I, I can't afford to travel right now, but I wish to see the world like you have been. It, I just became hyper aware of the fact that this is such an incredible privilege, not just because I can afford it, but also because of my passport. And having a lot of Arabs in my life, Arab friends, I know how <laughs> I know how hard it can be for them to just get the visa. And this actually, there's a there's a connection to the Argentina trip that's visa related that I'll talk about. But I just, I remember realizing one day, like not everyone gets to do this. I'm very, very lucky. And I want to help people that don't have access to this, particularly financially. I want to help other people see the world the way that I have been, because a lot of people don't have that privilege. So at the time, I remember voicing that a few years back for the first time. And when I said it, I thought like later in my life, but I guess it was early last year, a company reached out to me. Basically, they work with travel influencers and that person is to become a community leader and they like pick an itinerary and then promote the trip and get people to travel with them. So when they reached out to me, I decided, okay, this is a really cool thing I think I want to do, but this could be the perfect opportunity to do that thing that I, I really wanted to do and pay it forward. So when I got back to them, I said, yes, I will do this. I will become a community leader and like host a trip for you. But I really want to do this charity element. So I will only do it if you support me on that. And the idea was to raise money so that three of the seats in my group trip could be sponsored. Incredible. So I was going to raise money myself with their support also. Wow. And helping to push it. So how so, many of you went to Argentina? So we were, we were 11. We were supposed to be a group of 12. But this is um, this visa. is the visa thing that I was I was mentioning before. One of the three people that I had selected to sponsor. So there, I actually had a long application process. I promoted it a lot on social media, and I, I collected applications. So there was a form to be filled out, like lots of Q and A, because I wanted to I wanted to make sure I was finding someone who not only could demonstrate like a real financial need and who had not had the opportunity to travel outside of their country, but someone who would genuinely get a lot out of the experience absolutely and take it to yeah. heart and really grow from it so and hopefully do again for someone else yeah yeah exactly so there was that written application and then I had them submit videos as well talking about what travel would mean to them so it, it was honestly such such a hard decision because there were a lot of really really heartfelt applications and like it was it was a painstaking process trying to like whittle it down to three people there were so many deserving people anyway i ended up having there was um two egyptians a girl and a guy i think mid-20s and then a guy from pakistan who this guy he's a mountain guide in pakistan so he he loves nature, loves the outdoors, and he's constantly hosting people from all over the world on outdoor trips, but he's never left Pakistan. So I was really excited to have him join the trip, but he ended up not getting the visa. Oh, no. So it was devastating 
for him more than anything, but I mean, my, oh my God, my heart broke for him. So, and I mean, he was packed. He had been taking Spanish classes in preparation for the trip. And like, we started the visa process so, so long ago. The the trip was in late Feb and I think it was early December where he like submitted the paperwork, got his first appointment and it's just, it didn't work out. He ended up never hearing back from the embassy. Like he didn't even get a rejection letter, just complete darkness. I feel like there could be hope though. There'll be another country that he'll one day be able to visit, hopefully. I'm sure it will happen for him, but it, it was. I hope so, I, especially because he meets so many other people and guide yeah, them and hear about where exactly. they come from. Yeah. So so now I'm kind of trying, I'm seeing what money I can get back because that was, you know, like at this point, it was just an, entirely a sunk cost and people donated and I want to make sure that I'm responsible with that money. So I'm trying to get some, some of the money back from the trip as well as the flight. And yeah. if I'm able to, I will, I'll donate it in some way The the flight was with Turkish airlines. So if I can get, if I can get reimbursed for it, I'll donate it back to the earthquake fund. Oh, wow. <sighs> how did crossed. you, um, how did you do the sponsoring? And so how did you raise the money? So um, it, it was tricky because in the UAE, you can't fundraise without a permit. It's very hard to do fundraising here. I actually, I, I had this little window of time last year where I had, I quit my job and was leaving the UAE. So I was no longer a resident and I was taking a sabbatical for four months away from the country. So technically I wasn't a resident and I wasn't based here. So I took that time to, I started the GoFundMe page and I talked about it a lot on social media. And wow. like, I tried to just push it as much as possible while I was outside of the yeah. UAE because I knew that it would be a lot more challenging when I got back here. And you did it. You managed to take three people and then the others on the trip as well. And how was yeah. it? It was so, it was so special. I was, I've never led a group trip before and generally I'm not a fan of group travel. So I was very nervous going into this experience. Like there's 11 people, it was supposed to be 12, but now 11 people coming from all over the world. They're strangers to me. They don't know each other. I don't know anything about them. And the the only reason they know about this is because they follow me. And this was actually the first time I had ever really met any of my followers too. So there were so many new experiences that were part of this. And I was, I was nervous about, are they going to enjoy this? Are they going to connect? Is it going to be too many people to travel with? Like yeah. just so many unknowns. And I also was really stressed out about some of the logistics. So I was, I was like telling myself in the days leading up to it, like, I don't think I ever want to do this again. Like this is just, it's too, it's too stressful too much. But mm. day one, I was so blown away by this group of people and the level of excitement and positivity and how quickly everybody connected. And I continued to be blown away every single day of the trip. And it was such a beautiful experience for everyone. Way, way, way beyond my imagination. I saw your social media when you landed and just said just how incredible the trip was. And it's fulfilling for you as well. You've put so much of your time and effort into it. And to be able to come away and and just see what you've just done for loads of people. Yeah, it's really special. Germany by yourself for work your yeah. first trip yeah and then now you're taking 12 people 11 people to Argentina yeah it was it was honestly I, I still can't wrap my head around the way that it all panned out it's there was just not there was no negativity there were no mm-hmm. like everything went so smoothly and we had people from all different places, different ages, like very different walks of life that came together and loved each other. And the bonding that happened was so, it was 
so phenomenal. And everybody left with new friends that I, I'm sure they're already making plans to visit each other. Oh, and I was going to ask that whether they've all kept in contact. Yes, yes. That like, it, it's just, I, this is one of the things I love most about travel. It's the way that it can bond people together and someone that you would maybe never connect with absolutely outside of a trip. And you have it in yeah. common that you're both in this country at the same time. Yeah. I think I still have people that I met on holiday like 10 years ago on my Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I see they're having a baby. I'm like, oh, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> met you a week ago. Like met you for a week, seven years ago. Yeah, but there's something about just having these shared experiences. And and it wasn't just like we met them at the pool bar for a day and had a, or had a fun night out. Like we spent nine, 10 whole days yeah, together. you got to know people really well, didn't you? Yeah. And would you do it again? I absolutely would. Yay! I, I came into it we'll thinking come. like, this is the last time, but I can't wait to do it again. It Good. was so rewarding. It oh, was God. so rewarding. I feel like you might need a little bit of a breather. Yeah, a little <laughs> and bit. Then to, I got work to do. <laughs> I have a real job. That's actually so, yeah. what I was going to dive into. So yeah. apart from traveling and mm-hmm. that's your passion, yeah. but you are a tech founder and an entrepreneur. Yes. And we want to know how that started, especially in Dubai, yeah. in such a thriving city. So you obviously yeah. had some time off out of work, then you yeah. raised money. And then on the mm-hmm. side, you were building Alfie. Yeah. So <laughs> the work is, uh, I feel like I have like very two very different sides of my life. But I think that there are a lot of people who follow me on social media that don't think I have a real job, which is... I. I kind of get defensive about it a little bit because as hard as I work and like I pour a lot of myself into my job, I don't want people to think that I'm just like living this frilly lifestyle where I'm just getting free hotel stays here and there and jet setting around the world and having fun. Like there's a very different side of that as well. Mm. And um, for the last six years since I've been in Dubai, I've been in the tech and startup scene. And first few years I was here, I was working for Uber and marketing, worked for an early stage fintech. And then I was working at an incubator where I partnered with founders that were brought in to build and launch their brands. I had no free time. I was overworked. I had gotten sick and I couldn't recover from it because I think the stress was so much. I remember a few months prior to that, I was interviewing someone for a job and this guy had told me, I don't remember what it was, but it was the stress had caused him permanent Awful. damage to his yeah. to his health and stress is such a big that guy it was like yeah it's like, the worst i mean yeah it's really you i think for a long time i underestimated what stress could do to you but i remember being so affected by this this guy i was speaking to over zoom he looked to be about my age and just from what i could tell he was a fit guy but here he was telling me i have now a permanent heart issue because of my work stress and when I got to that point where I was really sick, I was mentally in a bad place. I couldn't recover from my sickness and I had a, a heart issue. It really scared me. And I was like, this is enough. I, I cannot continue to put myself in this situation, especially when it's not even for me. Like this is for other people's companies. So it was like coming out of that experience that I just decided I'm not doing that for other people again. And I didn't know at the time what it was going to look like for me. I I was open to the idea of being a founder or starting my own thing or just being a freelancer. But all I knew was like, I, I, I'm not going to go back to working for other people again. Health and, is wealth, as they say. Yeah. And it's just not worth it. It's no. your health. It's not worth compromising it for anything. So then Alfie was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So long story short, um, I was 
just coming out of that work experience. And I had a, a cold, cold LinkedIn message from a guy that I normally like delete these things, but something about this particular message stuck with me a little bit. And I thought, mm, maybe I should entertain this. So I replied, the guy was um, working for a tech company and he wanted to talk to me about a marketing position. I knew, I knew at that time, like, I'm not going to go work for somebody else. Like, this is so far from what I want to be doing right now because I had just resigned from my other job. But I just thought, uh, let me see what this, this guy has to say. And I entertained the conversation. We met in person and he told me about this opportunity. I told him where I was at and that I had a sabbatical coming up and I'm going to be gone for four months. I'll be back in the fall. This was like around March of last year. And we kind of agreed it's not going to work right now, but let's stay in touch. We really clicked. And it was you know, the main reason that I wanted to even continue the conversation was because I liked him. And I, it's, that's something that's really important to me and where I take my career is like having shared values, like similar mindsets, liking the people and being able to connect with Absolutely. the people that you work with. You actually <laughs> see more of your work colleagues or someone you work with, as sad mm-hmm. as it sounds, but more than what you see, like your family sometimes. 100%. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Especially in Dubai. It's a very work hard, play hard city, which is part of it. So I yeah. having that standard, I think most people should have that. That's the lesson I learned. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's super important. Yeah. So that was kind of why I left the door open in the first place. I just liked him. And like, we really, nice. we We clicked very well when we first met. So fast forward to a few more conversations right before I left for my sabbatical. He wanted to meet face to face again. And in that conversation, he said, I actually decided to leave the company I've been with. I have this idea. I'm going to pursue it. I really, really believe in this idea. And he kind of pitched it to me, explained like the problem that he wanted to solve and then closed the conversation with. And I'd like you to consider being my co-founder. Wow. But you weren't so expecting that the first time. I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see it coming at all. But I just, something, I, at, at that point, I still, like, I was, I think, a week away from leaving for my sabbatical. And, like, that was the last thing on my mind. And I still felt like I can't close the door on this. I really like this guy. And I actually really believe in this problem that he's explaining to me, like, the, the business that he wants to build. I'm very convinced. So I, I told him I'd like to take the summer to think about it. And I did. And he was very patient with me. And I went back and forth a lot that summer. Do I want to do this? Do I want to just keep freelancing? Because I, I started taking on freelance jobs during that time. And I think I was just so, I was so afraid of the burnout that I had just come off of that yeah. it, it really took a long time for me to come to terms with such a big commitment again. But I decided, you know what, if if I come back from my sabbatical and I do this, I'm not stuck in it. I always have the option of deciding it's not right for me and walking away. And thank God I didn't close the door on it because I think it was one of the best career moves I ever made. I'm, I'm We launched the company in November. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Thanks. I actually came back from a four-month sabbatical, September 6th, September 7th was day one full-time with this, this team. And I've been super happy. There's three, three co-founders and now we're a team of, I want to see 18, 19 people. Oh, that's a fast growth. Yeah. Wow. And that's incredible. What's the product? So the company is called Alfie, A-L-F-I-I. And why Alfie? I'm intrigued. Yeah. I, so this it's, 
I like the story. I actually, I, I can't take any credit for the name. It was something that Yusuf, my co-founder, came up with while I was on sabbatical and he had to, to form the company and start all he the He had something to do because he's waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what should I do? Think of the company. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Yusuf is a huge Batman fan. Okay. And I actually don't know that much about Batman, but um, if anyone has seen it, you probably know the character called Alfred. He's the uh, Batman's... I don't know Batman, sorry. Butler? Yes, yes, I do, yeah. Okay, so that Alfred, the butler, is the inspiration behind the name. And he's sort of like this this character that is... He's not front and center. He's always behind the scenes, but he's always like the support system that enables Batman to do great things. So he's sort of like the, you know, like the guy behind the scenes doing... Doing everything. like his family. The support yeah. system. Yeah. Amazing. So that's where what it stemmed from. And... The company is, it's a tech company. We're building HR software Amazing. for startups and SMEs. And uh, it's sort of, you know, I think the connection there is like this type of product would be the software or like the backbone that can help companies deliver better employee experiences. And this was also something, you know, when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to move forward with this opportunity, I wasn't so sure I was that passionate about HR software. But then I thought back to other points in my career. Where was I most happy? Okay, number one, Uber. That was my best career experience to up to date. And I wasn't necessarily that enthusiastic about ride sharing, but it was the people. It was the people and the culture that made me really happy there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need to worry so much about whether I was crazy passionate about HR, but I was able to eventually kind of channel my past experience into a passion for this because having been through a very bad employee experience, I could really get on board with something that would enable companies to make sure that doesn't happen for other people. Every so. company needs an Alfie. Yeah. Behind the scene. I like that. <laughs> and also I because do. it's so close to your heart and what you've experienced, then you can really put in the things that you believe and what can, you know, so other people don't have to necessarily go through yeah, exactly. your experience. Yeah. That's so lovely. And growing Becky, fast. Yeah. Really growing fast. So well done. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. We have some news coming out in a few Ooh. weeks with oh. fundraising. So okay. Amazing. Yes. Hopefully we'll, uh, we will be staying tuned. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. Only listening to you for however long we've been speaking. You have such a kind heart. Yeah. You are definitely someone that Thank gives you. back. Yeah. And I'm you sure. definitely like, find the best in people. That's one thing I've learned about you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. You're a very good aura. Yeah, you do. Humble. You're grounded. We ask all our guests on our podcast one question. I love this part. <laughs> I really like this part. <laughs> Is this the same question? It's set, so every everyone? guest gets okay. the same question, but okay. it's, it's, it's your answer. It's unique yeah. for you. Is what advice would you give to your younger self? Yes. The thing that I wish I had learned long ago in life is that it matters a lot more to be true to yourself and true to your values than to be someone that is liked by everyone. And I think for such a, a large portion of my life, I used to worry about, maybe I was a people pleaser. I used to worry about being liked by everyone, being friends with everyone. And I would really spread myself so thin, just trying to be everything to everyone. And I really can't point to one thing that made me realize this was not the way to live, but I did eventually come to realize that I would much rather be true to who I am and have my small core group of people and have those relationships, like really cultivate those relationships than 
worrying about how many people like me or how to please many people I have in my my network and whether or not whether or not they like me or agree with what I'm doing or what I'm saying. And I just I kind of went through this process over the last couple of years of almost purging, not like kicking people out of my life, but just kind of like letting them fall away and really prioritizing the people that mean a lot to me, the people that I love most, because for too long, I was, again, I was spreading myself so thin that I wasn't really nurturing those relationships. And I have been so much happier since I learned how to stop worrying about that, stop worrying about what people think and whether everybody likes me. I just want to be who I am. I want to say no to things that I really don't care about and say no to relationships or friendships that aren't really that near and dear to me so that I can focus on the people that really matter. And I think it's something that everybody needs to learn. And I wish I had learned it a lot earlier in my life. Yeah. Do you know what? I can relate to that so much. I think I don't have favorites in the guests, but I think what you've just said is one of my favorite answers. I think everyone needs to learn that. And you feel free when you do that, don't you? Yeah, you you really do. I feel, I feel like I have breathing room for myself. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I'm just so much more able to show up for the people that I want to show up for. Yeah. Whereas I used to just feel, I used to feel so guilty all the time because I was, I had this going on or that going on or like this commitment, or I had to spend time with this person that like really wasn't that important to me. And then kind of expecting that the people that I really love, they'll understand. Yeah. But after a while, and the people who make yeah. you feel bad, maybe or something, and not your true friends, and not yeah. your, not your tribe. Yeah. So it's it's letting that go. Yeah. No, good for you, honestly. Thank you Thank for you. sharing that. Yeah, that yeah I so love that special. one. Yeah, that's a big one to be. Yeah. You know, shouted yeah. about. And thank you for being on our show, Becky. It's been lovely having us. How can how can our listeners follow you? What's your socials? Yeah. So I, my main platform is Instagram, and my handle is Jet Setbacks. Which I've learned in recent years that a lot of people don't know the term jet set. Like really? they think that's my name. Oh, so I get I get messages. Oh. I, I get regular messages. Hi, jet like, set. <laughs> Hi, jet or jet sea or just random stuff. But yeah, jet set is you know for those of you listening, if you don't know what it means, it basically is is a jet setter is someone who is traveling all the time, like hopping around from flight to flight, jet setting around the world. So that's where it comes from. But yeah, the handle is jet set backs. And I'm also on TikTok, but not super active with it. Um, same, same handle. Perfect. And obviously yeah. we'll tag you in all of our um, stories and all of our content that we've created today. And Please. for our listeners, if you don't follow us yet, um, please do. <laughs> and we are the underscore pod XB on Instagram, TikTok, and you can also find us and the people of Dubai on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you.